Hello, and welcome to Three Slayers No Waiting. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford, and these are my co-hosts. Hi, everyone. I'm Matthew Rodriguez. Hi, and I'm Joe Reed. We're here to discuss Season 1, Episode 1 of, at least, I would venture to guess, our three favorite shows. I don't know. Is it actually... I don't know. Let's not even get there. It's a very important television show in the it history is, of me. Exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to describe it for you, because yeah. you're a TV history buff. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you do you are. Day, I you literally do you that. literally... That's <laughs> yeah. your day job. No, just his, history buff makes me sound like I'm 60 years old. A I'm TV history. Not quite there. That's true. It's a very young medium. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then... But it's definitely my favorite show. Yeah. And... I don't know. Is it my favorite show? I, I can't. Yeah. You're so inscrutable, Ian. I, I have no tell. idea. It's In this my... room that is full of Slayer memorabilia <laughs> everywhere you turn. Like, if this were a video blog and people could see the, like... Honestly. I'm wearing my Buffy shirt. I have I Buffy know. things. There are Buffy toys. There are Buffy yeah. signs. There's, like, a Buffy... We're, like, in a Buffy museum. As yeah, we kind of them. are. It's true. Like, were I Buffy and I walked into here, I would, like, back away slowly, maybe. <laughs> um... But otherwise, I think we're good. I think we... You're right. If this was a video podcast or whatever, like, people would know right away, like, oh, these guys, like, know their shit. So we're going to have to prove it to you. And, and like, my cool. 90s style, also, people are like, oh, yes. he looks like he's going to the Bronx. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> He's been imported from the I'm 90s. self-aware. You guys, the 90s style, we'll get to it soon, but like the 90s style in, the, in these first two episodes are... Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Quite something. Quite something. So, sorry, no. No, uh, okay, I was going to say, we're going to talk about, uh, in this first episode of Three Slayers No Waiting, we're going to talk about... Which Welcome is a two-parter. Which is yes. a two-parter. Two-part season premiere, just like the two-part series premiere of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which was Welcome to, Har- Welcome to Hell Muff and Harvest. And they were both shown on the first day they premiered. It was a two-hour premiere. Because two hour at premiere. that point, what did the WB have, really? <laughs> they had like, two, they, what they had was two hours. They had some hours <laughs> to fill up. They were like, here, Joss Whedon, you had a failed uh, movie. theatrical movie that was sort of kitschy and sort of campy. I've forgotten that in Welcome to the Hellmouth they specifically reference her burning down the yeah. gym in, in the original movie. Well, I think... What they kind of do is they flip the the timeline a little bit because the movie with Luke Perry and uh, Christy Swanson. Yeah, Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson. How dare you, David Arquette? How dare you, Paul Rubens? Like, oh, oh, <laughs> um, who is now like a crazy. But I named the two oh, leads. I named I know. the two leads. No. Um, they. She's a senior in high school. Yeah. And yeah. so oh, they okay. rejigger the timeline so a little she's bit a sophomore. to say, well, she would have been a freshman. They have it happening her freshman or sophomore right. year, and then like she right. moves into which, her sophomore year. Which would make in that Sunnydale. original movie kind of even a different story. She would have been so young. She would have been like, well, I mean, that's 14. what they do. In, in the, but then, I mean, let's. When I was watching it again for the for the reason of this podcast, having already seen the episode seven to eight times, and sure. I'm like, yeah. Um, she is 16, and it's like... She's a young... She is straight out of all my children in, like, some <laughs> significant way. But even, like, not even Sarah Michelle Gellar, but, like, as the character, like, at one point when she's going to the bronze, and she just says to her mom, like, I'm going to a club. Like, if I were her parent, I would have been <laughs> like, know. sit your ass down, Buffy. You are not going to the <laughs> club. You are 16. Like, I know we had, like, there was one, like, over-under kind of, like dance clubby place when we were like growing up even though like my friends and I never really went to that but like it was available like I feel like my sister like went to one of those but the bronze seems like 
a legitimately like they're serving drinks. At that yeah, point. you know what well, I mean. Well, let's 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 get on some kind of like we can we can get to the bronze. We'll get to the bronze. We'll I get know. to the bronze. We're I know we jumping have, ahead of ourselves. A our master of ceremonies actually today is Ian, and yes. so let's let Ian guide us <laughs> um, through. Okay, so I wanted to start with our origin, Buffy origins. Absolutely. Um, mine is that my mother got me into it. I kind of made fun of her for watching it. I thought it was like a like crappy romance, whatever, because my mom tends to read the only novels we usually agree on are YA books. Okay. And other than that, she reads like Nora Roberts. Okay. So I kind of thought it was like, oh, it's going to be cheesy like that. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And then I started... fiction, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then I started working at Comic Book Shop my senior year of high school, and we had the Buffy action figures. And I really remember thinking like, oh, these are pretty cool. Like, this looks like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. And... My mom, like, came in to bring me lunch one day and then was like, oh, my God, they have toys of Buffy? I didn't know it was that popular. (laughs) And then I happened to watch season three that year with her. Yeah. And Faith, Hope, and Trick was my first episode. And that was, like, the episode where I was like, oh, Oz is really hot. Oh, Eliza Dushtrew is, like, so cool. She was, like, the punk rock girl I wanted to be. She was the coolest. (laughs) She was absolutely the coolest. Um, So my origin story is also with my mother in that, like, my mom would just start watching TV shows and then just, like, have me sit down with her because I was a mama's boy and I would just, like, watch all the same sh- I mean, that's how I started watching Will and Grace is actually because my mom <laughs> told me to. You guys with your cool mom. So <laughs> my mom started me on Buffy, but then she actually stopped watching and I got super into it and she kind of it petered out for her. But, um, so yeah, she was the first one and, and the first episode I saw was the first episode of season three, Anne, which we'll get to in a few weeks. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I didn't have cool Buffy watching periods. <laughs> um, I was a junior in high school as I'm remembering it now. And Dawson's Creek had become a thing enough that like people were watching it. I went to an all boys high school and even in the all boys oh, high wow. school, people were talking about Dawson's Creek. So like you knew it was a thing. <laughs> so, I would watch Dawson's Creek and I would see these ads for Buffy and I would hear, I remember, because I would like read like the TV column in the newspaper and whatever and I'd read Entertainment Weekly. I knew people like thought this show was really good and I'd never watched it and then one day I watched Innocence, which was the second parter of the big two-part Angel Loses His Soul episode and like totally thrust into the deep end but it was this like amazing story and so i watched the rest of season two which like the back half of season two is as we know like fucking amazing <laughs> and then the summer they reran the whole rest of the series so i quickly caught up well you know it's you say that it's interesting because i really feel like in between season two and three is when it gained a lot of popularity because Absolutely. the back half of season two was so good that I think critics were like, yeah. this is the show you need to be watching. And I think that's once when it my had mom another picked show, it up and like, like, had us watch it. Once it had Dawson's Creek there, then all of a sudden it was like the WB's New Tuesday, remember? Like that was yes. how they like promoted it. And, and like, I didn't watch, I feel like Buffy was at nine and Dawson's was at eight. That must have been how, because I, I would have watched an episode of Dawson's and then like yeah. flowed right into Buffy. And so that's when the WB really started to like catch on with their like teen dramas yeah, and right. yeah, as we absolutely. know Buffy is so much more than just a teen drama of course we know that now because <laughs> Entertainment <they, laughs> Weekly had that like super iconic photo shoot where I think it might have been during season two of Buffy it might have been where like it's like her and the like women from Charmed and Carrie Russell Felicity God, that one and yeah and they're all dressed in like these like fairy like yes. awesome dresses like yes. I had that picture on my wall like until it turned to dust oh of course <laughs> that was amazing though and that was like the heyday of because I remember Felicity premiered when I when I started college. So like my college years and Felicity's college <laughs> years like overlapped exactly. Um, I was a year off of Buffy. Um, but yeah, that was like super super like heyday. And that was even before they had like 
Everwood and Gilmore Girls and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it was and like yeah, <laughs> it was like the original like those four shows. It was Charmed, uh, Felicity. I guess Seventh Heaven counted too, just because like Jessica Biel was starting to be in like some teen movies. Yeah, I think she was. And in Barry Watson was in Teaching Mrs. Tingle, maybe or something um, like that. Like, yes. Okay. Teaching Mrs. Tingle is a great. I've movie. never seen Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Um, it's. So I got so good. turned off when they changed the title from Killing Mrs. I was Tingle. gonna say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I should watch it now, like Helen Mirren and Katie Holmes. Like, why it's wouldn't I watch really that? Good. Oh my god, that's Helen Mirren. Yeah, yeah. Helen Mirren. This is Tingle. Yeah, <laughs> in uh, what should have been an Academy Award nominee. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's. Okay, so and as Buffy starts, why don't we start with "Hi, my name is Buffy," or "Hi, I'm Buffy," and I thought the opening is really great. Like the opening kind yes. of like sets the tone for the show, where like. Oh, you think Darla is the like helpless schoolgirl? She has the outfit, yeah, and like she's like blonde and pretty. And you think this guy's gonna be like some kind of monster? And then she turns around and she kills him. Like for me, that's like yeah. the whole show. Like, it's what? so hard to watch that now because Darla specifically became such a big character on yeah. the show and such a fearsome character on the show that it's impossible for me to watch something and be like, oh, she in danger. Like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, no. Never in She her is life. the danger. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's like, that's the Joss Whedon thesis in a nutshell. And it's right there at the beginning is this damsel who you thought was in distress is in no sort of distress. And then Buffy went to embody that like yeah. right. 10 times over. And I mean, and it's also like a blonde actress. And I also think yeah. Julie Benz audition for Buffy... I think she right. auditioned for the Buffy role. I, I think you're right. And yeah. so it's very like, I mean, it's it's one of those things that um, you can't parody a genre or comment on a genre without being, I feel like, a master of that genre or understanding it inside of course. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Josephine is someone who understands the horror genre so well. Anyone who's seen Cabin in the Woods kind of knows that. Oh, absolutely. And to see like the opening with Darla you know, really acting scared and Julie Ben's just doing like a really awesome job in the beginning. Yes. And it's just like, it's such an announcement that like this show is going to subvert all the expectations yeah. you have for it. Well, it even starts with like, she's got like the really sort of short school, school yeah. girl skirt. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like you think you're going to even get a little bit of like titillation out of this. <laughs> and it's just like, no, 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 no. Like we're going in a whole different way. And then like not to get ahead of ourselves, but to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. She also wears that exact same outfit, but in red. In the episode where she dies, it's the exact same outfit but red. Oh wow! It's the like episode where in she where she dies in Buffy. Yeah, in Buffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Where like spoiler, there's gonna be spoilers. Angels. Yeah, there's gonna be. I think our philosophy and correct me if I'm wrong, but our philosophy is basically gonna be like Buffy's a known property. This is a podcast for people who love Buffy. If you are if you want to watch it for the first time and watch it along with us, that's great. Just watch the episodes like first and sort of buyer beware. I also think this is not a show. Where you need to be completely in the dark to enjoy it. Like, you yeah, can know I what's agree. coming and still get a lot of enjoyment out of the show because it's a well-made and well-crafted show. I think this. I think the philosophy of this program is that, like, it's for newcomers and people who are, like, coming back to Buffy. And so we're going to be talking about each episode. Yeah. Or, you know... At a time, and we enjoy, we invite you to like watch it for the first time or watch it again. Yeah, and we'll just be having. It's almost like uh, Talking Dead, but it's not. Talking Dead. I feel like I'm even the one who's like like rewatching it for the first time in a while. Like it's been several years since I've really like gone in and watched Buffy 
any and kind of way. we're doing it to celebrate the 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary, right. guys. We're so old. I know. Oh my God. I um, know. This is a show that, like, literally, if you missed an episode, you missed the episode. Oh, yeah. There was no streaming. There was no. I remember there being so many episodes that it'd be like, I had oh, VHS. I, didn't see it. I had VHSs of the show like yep. crazy because that's how <laughs> yeah, you could... I would record it in college and right. whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you could at least set uh, you could set the VCR to record at a certain time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I that's how you had remember, to do it. Because they also didn't have, very few shows had complete seasons on yeah. VHS. And so Buffy would release like six episodes per season on like a set of like three VHSs. So like, I owned those, but you only owned like the select few that were like deemed important. Joe, enough. so that's actually, so I lied. My origin story is that my mom got me into it, uh-huh. but my mom then bought those VHSs. Those VHSs? And that was how I saw like... Like, I missed graduation day because also, remember, they, like, put it off. Oh, we'll talk... Once we get into those that season... But, like, that was when I first saw... The season saw. three preemptions are the wildest shit. Yeah, like, it's, it's so weird. But, like, that was what got me into it because then, like, I remember in the summer being, like, oh, cool, yeah, I'll watch this. And, yeah. like, just being, like, oh, my God, I love all of these. And it's such a weird... It's, like, a selection. It's, like, the most important stuff plot-wise. And, like, they are mostly, like, the best. I think season two had, like, maybe the first two episodes and then Surprise and Innocence and then... Uh, becoming one yeah, or two or something like that. I think that. so. Yeah. Um, or maybe it had the the uh, the what's my line. God, next time I visit home, I can like look. At you should. Line. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> see, boots on the ground reporting. I love it. Um, yeah. So like after we meet Darla, one of the interesting things that they really in the first two episodes and in the first season in general, like you meet. Buffy and she's having her kind of prophetic dreams for the entire season where they just like basically show you preview footage of everything that's coming. Right. But you meet... They kind of stopped doing that after the first season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have the prophetic dreams anymore. No. Um, But you meet like her mom and it's so interesting meeting (laughs) Joyce because she seems like such a like a bumbling parent. Was I the only person who at the very beginning when you first started watching the show only knew Joyce from being in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> Is that what she's in? She's That was the only that other thing like, I'd yeah. ever seen her in. She was the neighbor's, the, the mom neighbor, who like was the mother of the two boys in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. I don't remember whether I saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, first or Buffy first. I was first, a Disney but... Channel kid, so I watched, and that like re-ran on the Disney Channel. So I was so not a Disney Channel kid, and I got, um, I actually just came out the other day about, I've never seen The Parent Trap. Really? Like the Lindsay Lohan Like Parent either Trap. version of the seen Parent it. Trap. God. No, I so mean, I don't know the story at all. I've, I think I've only seen the Lindsay Lohan version. All right. I've stick around for our bonus episode. <laughs> Where we, we just talk Matthew about the Parent Trap. We watch both versions of the Parent Trap. It's going to be a live, a live discussion of the Parent Trap as it happens. <laughs> okay. So, and then we meet all the characters, and I feel like all of the characters' introductions are, like, really perfectly them. Yes. Like, Although, here's what I will say, and I'm, it's a little bit of a jump ahead. The first time we meet Cordelia is the, the very first time, like the very first scene when she meets Buffy and she's sort of very friendly to her and very welcoming just before she's incredibly mean to Willow. But like everything right up until that point is a different Cordelia than we ever get even like from the rest of the episode on because it's trying to fool That's us true. into thinking that she's like nice and yeah. is going to be like a good friend for Buffy. And she's like incredibly like somewhat chill, very kind of like you know, sort of measured in the way she talks. And you don't get that version of Cordelia again until Angel. Like, literally yeah. until, like, <laughs> well, after she spins off into Angel. I mean, it's one of those things. You can never watch the series again with the eyes of someone who hasn't seen it. Totally. You know, so you, it's like, I wish in a way I could. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I thought that 
it was very clear from Cordelia's introduction that she was superficial, like saying she was just she was in LA because she lived near so that she lives near so many shoes and yes. like yeah. so, so it's very clear that she's superficial. But I think it's interesting as like a as a device as a plot device to have Cordelia be the first person that Buffy meets because in a lot of ways she represents like who Buffy Buffy's was old yeah, Buffy's yeah, yeah. old life yeah. before she comes to Sunnydale and like. They really should be like you know BFFs, like the natural this, order of things. Yeah, right. them Sort of together in a way. Right. Or like yeah. it's like she sees yeah. that Buffy is like a pretty blonde girl from LA, right. and it's like oh, and I think Cordelia is one of those people who tries to see what she can get from people. Yeah, and so she's totally trying to get like yes. Buffy to her LA ness, her LA ness, and her coolness. Like bring yeah. that to her Sunnydale click. Yeah. And we see, like, how quickly that falls apart. And she is so mean to Willow, like, going out of... I think I remembered oh in gosh. my mind that, like, Willow, like, had bumped into her in the hallway or something. Did something to provoke her. No. no. She's just trying to get some water from the goddamn water fountain. Can we talk about, still to this day, that insult about... That softer seeing side of the <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That insult, like, stays <laughs> in my know. mind. And I think about it all the time. It's so mean. It's so perfect. It's so unprovoked. It breaks my heart. And then she's like, my mom bought my outfit. And she's in such like, a, like... That little like jumper, like that junior high thing. Oh, it's so adorable. It's Will, uh, like Allison Hannigan is so adorable. <laughs> so moment. young, she looks so goddamn young. But, I mean, they that. all look young, but she's older than the rest. But she she presents she has, as very young. She's very young. Well, also I think because like <laughs> I was I said this to Matthew like a lot of '90s style sometimes like like when I was watching it I was like. Is Buffy's hair like mom hair or is it like '90s hair? I said it was Jennifer Aniston hair. Like it was very much like post. It was post Rachel. Like even like first season Rachel hair. Like you know. I I think it was more like it Rachel hair. Like season three. Like give me the Rachel. But so I feel like Willow's look. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. That. So like Cordelia and Buffy almost look older because they're like styled. Yes. And Willow's very like generic young. Yeah. Which I think like exacerbates sort of. The, the divide between them. Yeah. What I noticed in that first episode, and I guess we can talk about Xander's introduction, too, <laughs> but those uh, those sort of light sweaters with the stripe that went up the arm and across and then down the arm were fucking everywhere back I had then. so like, many of them. I had so many of them. <laughs> like, it's utterly amazing. And it's like, just a little touch like that can like, bring me totally back. But also... I remembered, because I had, I had a complicated relationship with Xander across the run of this show, like, to say the least. I remembered why I really liked him in that first season, watching him in the first episode. But actually, I feel like, I feel like everything that you come to actually kind of dislike Xander for in a lot of ways. Oh, both, it's all well, there. It both, it's all there it's in all the there. first episode. Like, basically, he, for those who haven't seen it and for those who don't remember, like, he is going to be struggling with like toxic masculinity. He's the nice the guy. Entire, he is, yeah. The entire series. Yeah. And in the very first episode, we see him still like the first two episodes, really like Buffy telling him like, "Don't follow me. Like I have powers. You don't. Like don't sure. try. To, this isn't your fight." And him having to feel like he has to prove himself all the time. Like he. Yes. Although I will say, in this early going, it's easier to see him as more like, "Oh, like this is just sort of the way he feels like." you know, duty-bound to act, and he hasn't really acclimated to this new world where there are monsters and there is this one girl who can, like, do all of this stuff. Right, right. Um, and, and I also and feel like... 16. And he's 16. And he's 16. And he's got a crush on this girl, and, like, it's a, it's a lot easier to sympathize with him in these early days when he just he has a crush on Buffy, and they, ha- they haven't really sorted out 
that that's not ever going to happen between them? They haven't. Um, they actually have a lot of hope. And, and, and when we get to the witch and teacher's pet episode, I think we will talk a lot more about Xander and Buffy and how they treat it in the first season. Um, the show is definitely holding them in their back pocket. It's like, yeah. Possibly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like playing, it's, it's playing around with what it can do. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. No, that's all right. <laughs> I, I think, but I think just sort of along what you were saying was just like, they're that version of their relationship in that early going oh, is but, a lot different. But if so when you watch the first two episodes, they actually Joss does a really interesting job hinting at Xander the Xander Willow tension too. Yeah, I feel oh, like yeah, when you watch it, they're 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 not they're they're definitely like uh, as anyone I think in high school when you have a very narrow view of how men and women relate to each other. Yeah, like if you're best friends, you kind of think that they're dating, and like when you're in high school when it's across genders. Yes, um, and they and they play a few times with Willow. I think being like seeing that Xander is getting into Buffy, and she has very subtle she has very subtle <laughs> reactions. Was it hard for you watching this episode and watching the way that, like, Jesse, the Eric Balfour character, was, like, part of the group? Were you just sort of, like, mentally like I was being, like, no, this isn't, like, you're not part of the group? Like, almost, like, hurry up and die already? Because, like, you know that, like, that's his whole character's point is to be the one who gets killed and turned into a vampire. And, like, they have to, like, that's the big sort of moral... Not moral, but like emotional thing for Xander is like this right. is like. Buddy. I so wait, so we need to have this like weird aside about okay. Jesse. All right, let's how start. it later spoiled something for me, because I had always read that Joss had always said he really wanted to push for them including Jesse in the credits, right? To oh. be like a like oh. giveaway that yeah. like that way you don't know. Oh, you wouldn't expect that character to right. die, right? And I literally thought of that immediately in seeing Red when Amber Benson was in the credits. Like, they had promoted that episode as someone's going to die. I, yes. And I literally remember watching that and then starting to cry. My mom was like, what is wrong with you? It is the credits. And I was like, no, that's why she's in the credits. She's going to die. I felt like a huge dummy after that episode being like, of course, that's why she was in the credits. (laughs) You big dummy. Like, well, I that's remember the thinking, thing. Like, good for her. I'm so glad she's finally in the credits. Well, the, well like, that's the thing with Joss, too, and, like, watching Welcome to the Hellmouth, is that he really is orchestrating, especially the first two episodes, like a chess game, and he knows what every person's role is going to be. And yeah, he's yeah. really... It's very rare in television that you feel like the um, the kind of master or tour behind it is, like, two steps ahead of the audience. Yeah. And Joss Whedon really is two steps ahead of the audience for a lot of the first two episodes. Oh, yeah. With Jesse and with Xander. And, like, everything we're discussing, and even with the opening thing, with the turnaround and, and the Darla reveal, yes. is kind of always playing these kind of tricks on us. Yeah. And, yeah, just really trying to, I think, like, hammer it into the viewer's head, like, not to bring any expectations. Yes. Or be, like, and not rest on our expectations as long as we're watching Buffy. Uh, so, two more character reveals, right? There's Giles and Angel. And I feel like they're at two total opposite oh, ends yeah. of the spectrum. <laughs> but, like, I feel like the Giles introduction is so good. And the Angel introduction is so strange to me. 
Ooh, I was saying that to Ian before too. I like, do, that I'm, doesn't feel like Angel at all. My, my notes are literally Giles is Giles because like he's Giles, Giles immediately. Giles. But also Giles, from my perspective now at thirty six years old, I'm like Giles is fucking fine as shit. Well, I think they they low key start later to play into that Giles is sexy. They do, but you but like at the very beginning, Anthony Stewart head is really cute. God damn it! Like, and he's a really he's really good at his part right away. He doesn't yes. There are a lot of actors on the show, cough, cough, David Boreanaz, who have to find their way <laughs> yep. into playing the role. Yep. Giles is Giles from Day He had it from the very first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I can't remember if it's in Hellmouth. It might be in Harvest when he starts uh, asking Willow for help, looking things up. And yeah, he just sort of like goes on and on, on. And he just sort of stops himself and he goes like, that was rather British. And yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. That's so, oh, it's so charming. He's the best. <laughs> he asks her to like rest something from that from that machine. He's like, he's like, can you see what you can rest, what yes. information you can rest from that but machine? Then, then the, the understandable version of that is like, I want you to look up something on the net. And I'm like, oh, the net. Remember when we called it the net? Oh my gosh. And when they're looking at like the underground plans and she's like clicking uh, to like zoom in to the plans. Old timey like, oh before people knew what computers actually did was very funny. And it like, it only got better literally like so, 10 years ago. So Angel. Yes. Yeah. Matthew. So I just felt, I just felt like the angel introduction like he is he they don't actually have any chemistry yet is the thing they don't and I and I, I was I was kind of defending my thoughts to Ian before because they obviously don't like each other off the bat yeah but there's ways to play I don't like you but I want to yeah. like get with yeah. you yeah and they still don't yet know how to play that and I think it's mostly lacking on Bor- David Boreanaz's end I think he clearly was not. But I also think the writing is there too because the writing makes him very aloof and very yeah. much like I know a thing, but I'm but not he's playing you. smarmy. <laughs> oh, very smarmy, super smarmy. And it's not like like I would never describe Angel as smarmy. No, well, if, the if whole, you after like later knowing what I know about him, he's not a smarmy person. The whole quality of the Buffy Angel relationship was that they're so swoony with each other, yeah, and so right. like sort of like very romantic and very sort of like feelingsy, and he's very. Like, he is not impressed by what he sees, and she is not impressed. And I think it's actually a moment of, like, backtrack, because when we later, at the end of season two, find out how much Angel knows about Buffy, yes. it's very weird to think about, like, that felt like David Boreanaz's, sure. is a, it was a total retcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Buffy was the first show that, like, taught me things like that. Like, <laughs> retcons. And, like, Buffy was also, speaking of our origin stories, the very first show that I ever experienced via online fandom in any way. Okay. Where, like, this was a show that, like, I eventually found my <clears throat> way to, like, message boards and, like, TV recaps and things yeah. like that. So. Well, so I think, actually, Joss at one point had said that, like, when we're talking about retcons, that he had said that, like, he was very much a believer in, like, as opposed to a lot of shows, like he doesn't give you everyone's background right off the yeah. right off the beginning because at one point everyone's gonna need to have a background that can bring the show further, and right. we'll see that with Jenny Calendar. Like yes. he doesn't tell you everything about Jenny because eventually he wants to be able to fill that in. Right, when he'll he fill needs that in. It. Same thing with Angel. Like he's not gonna tell you everything about them in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. The Jenny Calendar retcon though is so true. <laughs> It really, it's a lot. That she doesn't get introduced at all in, no, she does in, get introduced in season one. Yeah, right? she's, yeah, she's, yeah, she's, yeah, she's she helps the somebody. Yeah, robot you Yeah. Very good. See, this is the thing also about Buffy is, I used to be like, I knew every nerdy, like little like stat and fact and figure, people's first episodes, people's first whatever. And in the past, like I haven't been up on my Buffy like at all the past, maybe like 
five or six years. So like it's one of the crowning achievements of my life is that I was able to fill out the Sporkle quiz of all 144 episode names at one point in my life. I need to try that. I used to be able able to do them in order. Oh, like you have to fill them in from memory. Well, you don't have to fill them in, but you. So, have you ever been to Sporkle? No. So, Sporkle was how like you wasted time. The co- great, for me, it was like the great way to waste time. You speak in about high school, this college. in the past tense, as if I don't still totally waste my yeah, time. Yeah, you can Sporkle go to Sporkle. I literally have no. So idea they had all these things where you could just it's like just it was just quizzes where it was like, can you name everything of this of that? Okay. And a lot of them are like, can you name every episode of this television show? That's a very popular kind. Or can you name like all hundred fifty Pokemon? Was a really popular one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't so look there at me. Was, I can't name all hundred fifty. Well, Pokemon. no, I was, I was, I'm just. <laughs> looking at you because you're my co-host but and you love me. there was th- there was one that was like can you name all the episodes of buffy and you didn't have to name them in order you could put go okay. whatever order you wanted yeah but they just had 144 slots and you were like cracks and so i and and they, and they give you i think like 16 minutes if i remember correctly it's yeah. like 15 or 16 minutes and i used to be able to do it in like eight or nine and oh it was like God. the it was like the crowning achievement that's a life. good brag i know that there's probably a point in my life when i could have done that i don't think i do that now yeah i went to buffy trivia a few months ago yeah. and I've never been like more mad at myself because my team came in third and I was like furious <laughs> like I was like fuck this I want to go home I'm yeah. going home like I right. was just furious these questions are stupid but to be fair like one of the questions was like what city in Ireland is Angel from I would I still don't know what I still don't remember I don't know yeah that's know. unnecessary and there was a team that knew that so like that's amazing and it was like very specific things like that where it's like, oh, normally I would think, oh, I know Ireland, but like, yeah. uh, I know where there's another Hellmouth. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I know that city. But nah. there's a lot of questions like that where it's like, oh, I'm like one step removed from knowing what this is. I know all of Anya's little middle names, yeah. whatever. Like, yeah. Well, there's an amazing song to help you remember I know, those. I know. But I knew it even before that song. So we also meet the master who is maybe the most laziest name villain ever in Buffy. Definitely. Um, he pops out of that like pool of blood after they did a weird ceremony and he's just kind of like, when I was watching the master sequence back, I actually thought the graphics were better than I thought they were going to be. But the makeup is worse. The makeup's a little bit for worse. him. For I think for all the vampires in the first episode, yes, yes. it's a little it's a extra. Lot, it's a little extra. It's a little bit cruder. I feel like they have a the teeth are too much, so that like Julie Benz especially has a list. very hard time speaking yes. through her vampire <laughs> teeth, which I felt bad for her because like it makes her seem like a worse actress than she is. Yeah. Um, I think they. I mean, they figured it out, and of course, like they were able to get bigger budget and do more yeah. of it, you know, CGI wise and that kind of thing, but. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I mean, how does... What do we think about the Master in the very beginning, like, as a villain, though? I think it's very, like, it has to be the first season. He's such a... He's a good... He's, yes. an, he's, he's an archetype of a villain, yes. too. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, totally. And, and, and actually, come to think of it, maybe this isn't... This is one place where Joss doesn't subvert anything. Like, the Master is a very, okay. like, I have minions. I physically the abuse them when they're not, when they're not yeah. successful. Well, and he is... The one man at the top of a, like an evil sort of like right. pyramid. He's right? basically a mobster, like a mob yeah. boss. And it's like, and it's a great like he completely discounts you know Buffy as just like a little girl, which you'll notice like in later seasons, like villains respect Buffy a little bit more. Yeah. They like don't always like Glory sort of looked down on her, but like the mayor sort of recognized her. I feel like they all recognized. The yeah, the, yeah. The, she was the the master was the one who was just like so insignificant this, girl. Is this uh, this will be our first podcast disagreement? I okay. feel like the whole 
thing is that her big bads really dis- really don't consider her. So, I mean, Adam, I think, doesn't know what a slayer is. So right. he doesn't really, he doesn't, he doesn't see her as a threat because he's a cyborg. Sure. And then Glory says, like, I can't believe I fought a vampire slayer. Yeah. Well, and to yes. Glory, that makes sense because, like, she's a god. So, like, to her, right. that's trash. And then you have, like, the first and Caleb, who don't give a what about her. That's true. And then you have Willow. But, like, the nerds <laughs> all sort of, like... The nerds... The nerds really, the nerds like, really knew. Do. And, like, Angel... There was all that personal stuff with her. In yes. Season two. So and, like, and, like, Angel and Spike and Drusilla knew that, like, the Slayer was a thing and a thing to be worried about. But I also yeah. think that you are correct in that I don't think Spike and Drusilla were scared of Buffy at all. Like, I think they thought that they could ha- they could handle her. Right. And especially at first. Especially the first yeah. time. Because that's the whole point about Buffy is the first time anybody meets her. Um, but I think the Master was the most, like, I, you know, iconic of that. And, like, I don't think he saw her as, like, oh, she might spoil... Like, I think he literally just saw her as, like, this fly flying yeah. around his head. Not, like, oh, she might, spo- like, foil my plan. Right. Like, it's just, like, oh, she's there and it's annoying. And, especially in these first two episodes, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar's uh, sort of characterization of Buffy is the girliest yeah, yeah. it gets. Like, early Buffy is very, very, like, the quips are all very girly and everything is very, like, disarming and very, like built to um, sort of throw people off and plays into that concept of this sort of, like, the girl hero. And so it's also, for the first season, I feel like it makes sense, but those villains never would have worked in later seasons. Like, her powers are always all over the place, which they also do a lot in this season. Yeah. But it's so weird that, like, she jumps over the gate, but then also, like, it's... And that episode, like, ends with, like, Luke attacking her, that vampire, and, like, right. it's like, ooh, is he gonna kill her, when, like... The jumping over the gate I know. is iconic, I know. <laughs> and it is still one of my favorite Buffy moments, where she literally yeah. just, like, is just jumps over a huge ass fence. I don't think she ever jumps that no, much no. until Chosen, where she jumps between buildings <laughs> yes. to follow the bus. Yes. That's the last next that's, time she jumps that that's far. That's a bookend of Buffy's jumping power. <laughs> the, the first two and second, the last episode. But even like that fight between her and Darla was very clunky as opposed to what the fight choreography would become. Oh. And you can sort of fan wank that into being like, you know, she's what well, didn't, you know, know how to fight that yeah. well. Well, you know, it's two things. I think it's the first thing is that, she, I mean, Giles is her watcher and she gets trained to be a better fighter and she literally does get stronger as the series progresses. Yes. Imagine if, you know, the Uber vans had come in season one, it would be a very dead. We all would be dead. Everyone would be dead. But like, um, I mean, then it also comes back to like them getting a bigger budget and getting like a better fight choreographer and stuff like that. But yeah, the very first, her fighting, I mean, she can only handle one vamp at a time max. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's why. Like all of the, the, the first early like dustings are all like, like, off Wait screen for sometimes. it like and it's just like <laughs> she's winding up for like a good 30 seconds before she hits anybody with it because like hey you need to train the audience as to what happens when a vampire gets killed that's also one of my favorite things about vampire fiction in general is every new vampire tv show movie whatever has to rewrite the rules of vampires a little bit or at least be like these are the things we believe in these are the things that don't every vampire thing at some point has some version of just like 
garlic what are you stupid like <laughs> that's just from a book you but just saw that in a movie there is garlic in buffy's chest when she goes to yeah. get the steaks oh also what i wanted to mention that fucking cross around her neck was the biggest <laughs> thing it's like literally like took up her entire chest like it was like i think luke plate. would have seen it and been like oh i will avoid that honestly it was <laughs> like, so it was big enormous. especially compared to like the cute little cross she eventually starts wearing where it's just like like right. teeny and little, and, and then eventually ditches it. Just she doesn't need it because ten vampires would come up to her, and she's like, Psh. "Yeah, exactly." Also, at the very end of that episode, she makes a comment to the vampires about them looking like DeBarge, and I literally had to Google what that. Oh was. God, you <laughs> wound me. I thought that was such a good line. Um, uh, everybody, go listen to DeBarge. Uh, Wait, DeBarge is like a band? Yeah, DeBarge was like. So there yeah. were like there were a couple different DeBarges in the eighties. One of them dated Janet Jackson. One of them did that song, uh, Rhythm of the Night, uh, from the 80s. You would know it if you heard it. I like, do know what that is, yes. You Dance mean like, Until the Morning Light? Like uh, that I almost started yeah, singing yeah. that I remember we're on a podcast and I'm not doing that. No, I'm not putting that <laughs> I thought you meant like the, 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 is it like the Real McCoy song or this is the rhythm? No, different Rhythm of the Night. Okay. Um, but oh, wait, yes. no, I was thinking of what Matthew just said. Were you? Okay. Yep. I will play you the DeBarge one. <laughs> okay. You know it. You've heard it. Um... I don't know if that was the one that dated Janet Jackson. Anyway, side note, it's a really good joke. If you get the 80s, which... I thought DeBarge was like some old 16th century philosopher oh my God. or something like that. Wait, <laughs> that she would, like, had seen in like school. <laughs> it's still probably a little bit No, I love you reference. so much because I was going to say, as the dumbest person with two degrees, I was like, oh, what philosopher is that a reference to? Right. I really thought is it was that like Descartes? Like, what is right, like, is she had heard about DeBarge in school that day. Like, did I read him in She was just saying that he looked like super like 80s. Because when she said carbon dated, that line that she looked, he looks carbon dated and then saying DeBarge, I thought it was like really old. Yeah. But maybe that's just playing into what Buffy thinks is really old. Well, I think that's also true. And I think the way they use pop culture references in this, like, do you remember we lived in a time at one point where like James Spader was considered sexy? I know, sexy? right? That when they say so that, weird. I was like, "What? You what? Mean the blacklist guy?" Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there was a time, y'all. There was a time. <sighs> yeah. So that's the end of the first episode. It literally ends with her making that comment, and then Luke jumping, jumping on her, on her into the casket, and then it's like to be continued. Yeah. And so, you only had to wait through a commercial break to yeah. see it. Unlike Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we won't be releasing two episodes on the first day because we don't have two hours of free time. Right, that's true. So. But next week, make sure you join us and we'll be discussing the two-parter even further and talking about everything that Joss Whedon is kind of setting in motion. Yeah, I mean, he sets, he's, he sets a good table in this, for sure. For somebody who had no assurances that the show was going to yeah. make it past, like, even a few episodes. Oh, okay, wait, before we go, the most important question. Yes. Who in the pilot would you most want to have sex with? Luke, Angel, um, <laughs> Xander, or Jesse? Okay, Luke is out. I can't with the, yeah. the that vamp face is too much. Um, and even without the vamp face, I don't think he's that cute. <sighs> it's between Xander and Jesse for me, and I'm like Eric Balfour. I think in general, and especially in his later roles, like Eric Balfour in Six Feet Under was like the regrettable crush of like my entire lifetime, whatever. But I think in this episode only, I would probably pick Xander. Okay. I, so, um, I, I, I will get rid of Angel. <laughs> I think he's not yet the, buffed up enough. The tude wasn't me. working. He was a little skinny. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's a no from me <laughs> for Angel. <laughs> um, okay, Randy Jackson. No, that it's was a no for me. <laughs> oh, I thought it was... I mean, they all sort of, they right, all they all adopted that eventually. For, My Paula. Yeah, Paula never said no to anybody. Um, and then... 
But actually, I think it would be between... It would be between Xander and Luke. I actually do find Luke kind of do sexy. Do you? Okay. But, you know, I like a strong man, and he has a strong thing going on. But I actually think, at, in the end of the day, I, I would also go Xander. Yeah. Do we ever see Luke without his makeup on in that first episode? No, because he's... No, he doesn't even go into, like, plain face. He was the one who showed up in, like, two other subsequent roles, right? Where he yes, was... Yes, he plays someone else later. But he's he the judge. Back? No, he plays the judge. Right? Yes, he does play yes. the judge. And I think he plays... Yes, I think it's just that. Um, so he was my first, like, Comic-Con, like, celebrity that I cared about that wasn't Lou Ferrigno or Chewbacca. Oh, really? Like, I remember him being at, like, Philadelphia Comic-Con, and what I was like... Him? <gasps> Get your he moment. was on Buffy, and I was so excited that someone from Buffy, even though it was, like, him, was... Yeah. Yeah. At a con, and he was like the person I like zoomed over to his table oh, and got like cool. a picture with him. <laughs> so you're saying you have had sex with him? Is that what... <laughs> so I'm saying I would have sex with Jesse. That's my pick. All Jesse's right. a solid pick. So was that that was picked. two Xanders and one Jesse? Two Xanders, one Jesse. No way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess with that. All right. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Should we say where people can find us? Oh yeah. Maybe on like Twitter and whatnot if you want. Oh to find... yeah. Okay. Sorry. So don't. Don't stop listening yet. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Matthew Rodriguez. That's Matthew with one T and Rodriguez with a G and a Z. I guess how else? You know what? It's fine. Um, I'm Joe Reed on Twitter. J-O-E-R-E-I-D. And I'm Ian X Carlos on Twitter. I-A-N-X-C-A-R-L-O-S. And tune in next week. And thanks for listening.